Ready. Go. Go. What'd you have for tea tonight, James? I had a uh, Spanish pork. Spanish pork? Did you import the pork from Spain? Yeah, no. It might no. have come from Spain. You know what the supermarkets are like. Yeah, they're crazy. They're crazy. Yeah, it's just a... It was pork cooked in a spicy tomato and pepper sauce with garlic and onions and peppers sliced up. And I had it with a jacket potato. And it was lovely. what? What kind? What cut of pork do you use? These were pork steaks. The fuck! I've never heard of a pork steak. I don't eat pork a lot. Is I don't know why. Something I, I never eat pork. a lot. No, I, I eat quite a lot of pork. The only problem with pork is it goes from being undercooked to tough in about eighteen seconds. It's, it's very difficult, isn't it? And I always worry about undercooked pork, so I generally overcook it. A lot of the time, pork's got a reputation for being wormy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that's that's an issue. The other thing I did once was I cooked pork in a tinfoil envelope with apples mm. and onions sliced up, and it was Ooh. brilliant, but when it because it was cooked in a tinfoil envelope, when it came out, it hadn't browned, obviously, and ah. it didn't look very appetising. Oh, uh, okay, okay, but it tasted good. It tasted really good, yeah. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Exactly. What what, what do you want to take? Um, I'm going to have a pizza I got from the co-op. It's a meatball marinara with a stuffed crust. That actually sounds really good, to be honest. Yeah. Which I'll stick on after this, after we're done recording. <sighs> I want a pizza now. I think um, I think we should kick off this episode by you telling us the funny story that happened last night. Right. Okay. Uh, this is... It's actually very funny, actually. Uh, last night I went to see Stuart Lee in Liverpool. Stuart Lee is a very good comedian. He, he's a bit of an acquired taste. You have to, first time you're watching me think, I don't get this. And then when you get to the end, you think, oh, actually, that was really good. He doesn't so much tell jokes as makes you think of stand-up more of as a performance art, really. He's still yeah. funny. But what he does is he'll tell a joke, and the joke will kind of fall flat. And then he'll kind of explain it, because he's pretending that the audience are a bit thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's kind of, like, condescending. And then he'll kind of, like say things like, oh, well, you know, that went down a lot better in Oxford, and things like that. <laughs> and then he'll, he'll say another joke, and, but a lot of it's quite surreal, and because he's that kind of political, uh, he's he's fantastic. I mean, I'll, I would say one of his jokes, but it's a lot of swearing for too early on in the in the podcast. Yeah, we'll leave that to later after another couple of beers. Exactly. But basically, we, we got there in Liverpool. I love Liverpool, it's a great city. Uh, we're sat in our seats, and everyone's milling about. The show's about to start, and you hear a voice go, Yeah! And I was like, did that just say James? And I thought, no. And I looked behind me, and someone was kind of looking in my direction, and I thought, oh, it must just be, they must just be posing for a photo down the aisle, down like the row of seats, because it was, mm-hmm. they were sat about two rows behind us and about four seats across. So I was literally having to look over my shoulder to look at them. And then about another five minutes goes on, and then you hear a, James! And I was like, no, they definitely said James. And I looked round, and they wave at me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. It's like a couple in the 40s. And I was like, all right. And I waved back. I was like, I end up like, oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, right, who's that? And I turned to Lindsay, and I was like, do you know them? And she was like, no, do you? And I was like, no. And I started thinking, like, who are these people? Because, one, I don't know anyone in Liverpool. And then I started thinking, well, do I know them through work? But I realised that I've not introduced myself as James to anyone I've met in the past 10 years. Yeah. I always say I'm Jim, because that's the name I've been going by for, for absolutely ages now. And then I realised that anyone who would know me as James will have met me through Lindsay, and she didn't recognise either of them. So I'm sat there. 
And I'm wondering, I'm thinking, right, okay, we're at a comedy gig. It's like a, a cult niche comedian. He's like left-leaning, political, bit surreal. And I thought, fucking hell, they're a fan of the podcast. <laughs> I was like, I've been paparazzied. I thought I've been got. I've, they've made me. And I was like, oh, no, they're a fan. So I was like, oh, that explains it. That's why I don't know them and they know me and they feel so connected. So I was like, ah, right, brilliant. I thought, right, I get it now. So then the show starts, I'm enjoying it. And then, as I can tell, he's the comedian winding up for the end of the first half. Getting towards the interval, I start thinking, oh, shit. The, she's going to want to come and talk to me in the in the break. <laughs> and it's going to be really awkward. And I am i don't like awkward conversation. I, I find it really stressful. Like yeah, conversations. Like they're, they're horrible. Oh, it's awful. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have this. And then, like, Lindsay's going to end up going off somewhere and I'm going to be trapped with this woman who's going to want to talk to you about Jeffrey Dahmer or something like that. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so then I thought I was starting to get, like, really worked up about it because I, I kind of struggle with my nerves sometimes. So I was like, no, no, take the bull by the horns, Jim. Come on. So as the house lights came up for the for the interval, I went over to her. I said, oh, hiya, how are you doing? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. I was like, oh, it was really funny, wasn't it? And she was like, yeah, yeah, he was. And I was like, she's being a bit queer now. I was like, she was the one that shouted me. Why, why is she being, I'm not like chatting her up. Like, that's a bit, she's being a bit unusual. And I thought, never mind. Me and Lizzie went to the bar. I we're waiting at the bar. And the woman, she actually ends up down there. She walks past us and didn't say anything. And we thought, oh, okay, that, that's a bit odd as well, but never mind. Okay, whatever. And then we get back to our seats. And I was just sat there, I feel a hand on my shoulder. And I turn, and the lady's behind me, and she says, I'm really sorry. Uh, I bet you're thinking I was really weird before shouting shouting at you. And I was like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. She's like, I uh, I thought you were my cousin. <laughs> 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 and I was like... <laughs> and, I, and I said, I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I, I genuinely thought you were my cousin. And then when the house lights came on, I realised that you weren't. And then her husband leans into me and goes, hey, I bet it'd be, I bet it'd be even funny if you were called James. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I am. I said, why did you think I turned around when you shouted it? And then her husband turns to Lindsay and goes, oh, are you called Helen too? And oh, she was man, like, it'd no. It'd be brilliant if she did say yes. <laughs> she should have said yeah, it was brilliant. But, and then we were like, had a bit of a laugh about that. And I was like, Oh god, how how big headed am I going? Oh, I'm famous. They must recognize me from my podcast. I like how you text me. He's like, I think I've been recognized from the podcast, and I was like, I, I thought I'd be the first to be recognized. So would I, I was, because I was genuinely upset. Because you, I, I could tell you it. Because you're also in Scotland. No one down here even like has the internet. <laughs> it's not that bad in England. It's not that bad. True, but yeah. So that's uh, that's it. That's that's that. a, it. Was fucking brilliant. But that's you know it's understandable you went to to your your thoughts of recognizing your podcast because you're not going to think I bet that woman thinks I'm her cousin. Well, that was it. That was that was how I reassured myself. I was like, that wasn't the most like regional response. But the thing is that bothers me. This happens quite a lot to me. It's about once every twelve. It's about once every twelve months. Someone will come up to me and genuinely think I look like someone else, <laughs> and I kind of I mean. I have been accused of having a very generic aesthetic. I look like every other fucker my age. I've got a beard, <laughs> short hair, glasses, and I wear like boots and check shirts and stuff. I just look like anyone else. But I kind of get worried that I'm going to get accused of a crime. Well, um, it'd be interesting for the podcast if you did. I suppose it would do, actually, yeah. yeah. It'd be quite interesting. But this always used to happen when I was at uni. Someone would come to you on a night out and go, oh, 
that's you, isn't it? It's, it's you know, you're called Peter. And I'd be like, nope, I'm not Peter. And they'd be like, yeah, we, we were out last week. You're doing economics and business studies. I'd be like, nope, I'm doing psychology. I'm called James. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, you're from, you're from Stoke-on-Trent. And I'd be like, that, it's not me. And, and that started that started me getting really worked up about being falsely accused of a crime. And it actually led to me having recurring dreams where I was going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> used to be a guy in Perth um, when we went out we used to go out every week younger like 10, 15 years ago however yeah. long ago he would always come up to me and be like you're Gareth or Grant or I think it might be Gregor he'd always accuse me of walking past his house he's like you're Gregor you walk up the, the this road to go to college with your chips and gravy I was like no I mean I love chips and gravy but that's not me I didn't go to I didn't go to Perth College and it became like a running joke every time he'd see me be like, oh, all right, Gregor, you and your chips and gravy. I was like, I hope you fucking die, mate. Stop <laughs> it. See, that, that's that's all well and good, and it's all like fun and games until yeah. he's like, he has a psychotic break and he runs into the police and is like, I've been stabbed. Who did it? Grant did it. Gregor did it. You know, and then they come around your house and they're like, we've got a code for 65 chips and gravy on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> but who doesn't like chips and gravy? Exactly. This, I mean, this getting recognised thing happens to me more often than I'd like. I was at a fashion festival with my girlfriend, uh, actually in Liverpool again. Uh, this was last year. Liverpool. And a bloke left the stall that he was running to come up to me and say, oh, are you?" he was like, are you called Michael? And I was like, no, I'm called Jim. And he was like, oh, you look just like my friend Michael. I was like, right, okay, thanks. <laughs> And then he was like, do you want to see a picture of him? And started looking through on his phone. I was like, I can pretty much, I can guess what he looks like. Does he look a bit like this? <laughs> you know, like, I was like, why are you showing me a picture of someone? I know what I look like. You, you, you did that. You're like, does he look like this? And you showed him a picture of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, there he is, Michael. How do you know Michael? Why are you taking pictures of Michael in the shower? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so this just makes me worry that I'm going to get accused of a crime. I'm, I'm sure we'll be fine. We'll be fine. If not, it will make good listening when, when you get out of jail. I know. <laughs> talk about all my, talk about all the horrific things that happened to me. Oh, right. God. To the pod, to the podcast. Yes. Oh, before we go to the podcast, interesting thing. I was listening to another podcast the other day. I was going to say listen to the radio, but I only listen to podcasts. And, it, and it, <laughs> you know, and plus, but when people say listen to the radio, I don't think of them listening to hybrid stuff like, you know, Radio 4, which I actually do like Radio 4. But I don't think about people talking about that. I think about people listening to, like, the shitty local radio station playing pop songs from five years ago and adverts for double glazing companies and, like, clothing, mountaineering clothing companies and things. Yeah. So, so anyway, a podcast. We're talking about doing voiceover work. And you know voiceover work for the TV? Yeah. There's a method of doing it. You don't just talk, like, I'm looking at you through Skype and I'm trying to talk to you, like through the screen, yeah, like yeah, a conversation. Yeah. But apparently, for voiceover work, you've got to do like the pillow talk method, yeah, where yeah. you have to talk like you're talking to your partner, and you're both led on the same pillow. So basically, what you do is you'd speak in a manner like this, and you'd say, "Today's podcast is blah blah blah." Well, this is no ordinary podcast. This is. Marks and Spencer's podcast. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Let, 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 me, let me have a go. Right. I'm going to pump you in the arse. Hmm. <laughs> kind of like you could say... M&S you know, style. <laughs> don't, you, don't, don't you mean S&M style? 
We'll soon find out. These aren't ordinary chips and gravy. <laughs> These are Gregor's chips and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we can do. So, right then. Moving on. Hello Moving and welcome on. back to our first traditional episode of the year. And by that, we're back to covering the UK true crime scene in our own unique, darkly humorous way. Uh, if this is by that, basically because we did two Q and A episodes and just like, fucked about. Yeah, the first one, um, the first one, just so you know, because I've not told you, the first one did really, really well. Really, and the second awesome. one just seemed to fucking just die a horrible death. I thought that- they were they were so funny. They were really, really good fun yeah. to to record. They were, really they were good fun, fun to record. They were spontaneous and had a good laugh. Do you think it's because people were only listening to hear their own question get answered, and then once it it had been answered, they didn't listen to part two? I mean, I think it's just because we're not popular. That people see Q and A, they're like, "We don't give a fuck." <laughs> yeah, that's what it's, it is. It's like when a YouTube channel, like it's like when a band that you don't like releases a making of album. You're like, "You've had one EP. I don't care." Yeah, <sighs> that that kind of explains it. But one second. If this is your first time listening, that's a dog. That was noodles. <laughs> Carry on. Right, if this is your first time listening, thanks for joining us. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review, tell your friends and get in touch. Now with that out of the way, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Chen. Good evening. Hello. Now, I've got him on the Skype, as usual. We will be doing a couple of, and I said inhuman, I didn't mean inhuman, I meant in person. <laughs> inhuman is something else. And it's some of the in-person episodes in the future, but at the minute we're sticking to Skype. Yes, we're both very busy people with full-time jobs and full-time girlfriends. Exactly, and uh, I've been—I'm the man of a, of a thousand hobbies, so that doesn't make it easy either. I'm the man who likes to play a lot of football manager. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, in the, now in the script, it does say small talk, but we've been small talking for the past forty minutes. It feels oh, fucking longer than that. Yeah, longer exactly. than that. Yeah. So I think yeah. without further ado, we we best get going. Today's episode is going to be a bit of a grim one. <laughs> It's definitely for those of you with stronger stomachs. If the later episodes of the Ant Hill Kids were a bit tough for you, this is worse. This episode is about torture. There's been a murder. This isn't a true crime podcast. This is a bloody mess. A badly researched true crime podcast. <laughs> Speaking of torture, have you been to the Torture Museum in Amsterdam? Situated a short walk from the Bloemen Market, which means flower market, and it overlooks the Signal Canal. I believe I may have gone there once, but I'm not quite sure. Could you... Uh... <laughs> Refresh my memory. It's getting a bit ASMR, this, isn't it? Yeah, where people like too creepy. The, yeah, when ASMR, when people go, I'm going to eat a chocolate digestive, and then go. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, right. I went uh, about three or four years ago. It was my second time in Amsterdam, and I saw yeah. it the first time I went to Amsterdam. I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. 
And I always want to go. And then I had the opportunity to go back to Amsterdam. And I was like, I must go there. And I would suggest that the three out of five star Google review is generous at best. If you have spare time in Amsterdam, go. But I wouldn't make it a priority. There's a lot more to do in, in Amsterdam than, than look at a torch museum. And to be honest, seeing if you have spare time, we're talking like 25 minutes. Yeah, tops. Absolute tops. It's, it's, it's tiny. It's. I went around it. And thought it was good. There were some interesting things, but I don't think you get anything from it. I again, like you, I went on my second time because after I went the first time, I thought, "Oh, we should have gone in there." Yeah, uh, you're in and out basically. It's a lot of the things you could have got the same amount of pleasure by looking at them as pictures. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was just the, tiny descriptions, and yeah, descriptions there was no real and, people getting tortured. There was no screaming. There was no suffering. It was just, it was horrible. There was no blood. It was just. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I've been told that for those kind of things, you need to go down, like, the back alleys late on at night, <laughs> behind the red... Di- and then you can really see people get tortured, but that's you don't like... Think, um, <laughs> you don't think the, the red light district, right, is just the most horrific place in the world. Not just because of the all the hundreds of prostitutes and windows, but you go into some of the buildings, and they're just like... You know, you've ever seen Taken, and near the end yeah. where the, 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 the girl who was Taken was in the middle, and you got all the people bidding on her? We went to a place like that, Sorry, not exactly like that. In the middle, there was like uh, just a woman dancing, and you pay your fifty cents, and the window opens, and you can see this person dancing. But you can also see that all the other people in the in the kind of circle, the oval, looking as well. And you can see your friends. You can wave at your friends, and I'm pretty sure I saw a guy jerking off. Well, that's kind of that's kind of obvious. I've I've heard yeah. that as well. And Did also, you- like in this in the same building, if you walk around, there's like little booths and. It's obviously you go in and you put your money in, you can pick what porn you want to watch, but the just the, the buckets next to the seats and you can shut yourself in the buckets next to the seats were just full of uh, tissues and it makes me fucking want to be sick. It's horrible. You just imagine horrible. if you're walking along and you fell and then went into one of those buckets like, like your hand oh your... to break your fall, you just put your hand in oh, it. Oh put your hand in a spunky bucket. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> oh it's fucking horrible. Amsterdam's enough, great though. Uh, I really liked Amsterdam. Spunky Bucket is the name of the new EP my band will be releasing. Uh, <laughs> It'll soon be our intro music. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. It's not at all. Uh, so I, this I episode. Like, I like Amsterdam. It's, it's great. I mean, the thing is, like what you said about it, the man who was taken, that is very similar because I remember when I was there, I saw Liam Neeson beat a <laughs> Slovakian man to death. <laughs> <laughs> Just in a, a massive car chase <laughs> yeah. down the canals. I, I loved that film. The other two weren't as good, but the first one was yeah. absolutely brilliant. The first one was good. The second one had a lot of potential and just didn't quite add up to it, and the third one was terrible. Yeah, yeah, it, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Today we're going to be telling the tragic story of teenager Kellyanne Bates, who was murdered by her partner James Smith in 1996. Naturally, I don't think this can be packed full of jokes. It's just not, not right. So... Mr. Chen is going to take care of that by preparing various tangents to go down as palate cleansers and mood lightness. Yes, I, I shall do my best. As my good friend James has said, my role is just to try and pop in now and again with some light-hearted humour and interesting facts. I will pipe up with some comments and opinions as the podcast goes on. I'll try my best. But just remember, anything that's said, it's just a joke. Not the podcast. The podcast, you know, it's a true story. But anything yeah. I, I say, I'm just trying to make light of the situation. Palette cleanser is good. Palette cleanser, yeah, that's basically how it started. I mean, uh, I don't think at any point in this week we say anything that could possibly be misconstrued as a joke at the expense of the victim or the victim's family. But just to put it out there, 
it's horrific and we're not condoning anything that happens and we're not, and you know, our, our, what's the word? Way of dealing with this is with a little bit of humour. Yeah, exactly. But also our, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family. Oh, that sounds horrible saying that out loud, doesn't it? Thoughts and prayers. You see it online all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, good oh no, I've never said that out loud before. I don't like that. Basically, I just want to say that we, we don't wish any harm to the, uh, to the girl's family. We just hope that, you know, respectfully covering her story with some light refreshment halfway through. Trying now, to. We're going to be telling the tragic story of Kellyanne Bates, who is brutally murdered and tortured by her partner, James Patterson Smith. Now, in my opinion, this is probably one of the most extreme cases I've read. What makes it even more difficult is it happened in Manchester, probably less than 30 miles from my house. Yeah, you know, this is the most extreme thing I've ever read. So just putting that out there, just that's a warning. Yeah. On April 16th, 1996, James Smith went to the police station and calmly told them his girlfriend had accidentally drowned in the bath. They had argued and he claimed that he presumed she was playing dead as she had done so many times in the past. I don't, I don't know why, but just you saying that, it just makes me feel that this guy is an absolute fucking nonce, and I hate him already. Yeah, it's, it, there's something, just even that just doesn't sound right, doesn't, doesn't ring yeah. true to someone with a normal brain, basically. No, not at all. Now, when the authorities arrived at the property in Gorton, Greater Manchester... Oh, uh, where? Sorry? In Gorton, Greater well, Manchester. I have an interesting fact about Gorton. Really? Well... Kinda. The ex-Manchester United footballer, Nicky Butt, is from Gorton. Is he really? Yes. Do you even know who he is? Yeah, because that was in the time when I was probably under the age of 12 and vaguely aware of football. <laughs> it was It was a long time ago. But then that's all I read about Gorton, because I then went on a tangent about Nicky Butt. So, Nicky Butt won six Premier League titles, <laughs> three... <laughs> Three FA Cups, four Community Shields and a Champions League for Manchester United before he moved on to play for Newcastle and winning fuck all for those scum. He was <laughs> also capped. He was, I'm a Manchester United fan. He was Why? also capped. Oh, because you're Chinese. I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he was also um, capped for England uh, 39 times, all from the humble beginnings of Gorton. And it is, it is funny you you say Chinese, right? And I remember growing up, and Manchester United was everywhere when I lived in Hong Kong. Everywhere, really? they they were. I think they were like the kind of first to kind of just sell their brand across the world, and that's why they are one of the biggest clubs in the world. Do you think they're a bit like the Toronto Maple Leafs in? I've I've no idea. Ice hockey. I've probably I understand probably, out, I understand their ice hockey, but I don't know what you're referring to. I probably you you know the like the famous. They're probably not even from Toronto. I probably got that bit wrong because I've had a beer. Um, no, no, no. Maple Leafs are Toronto. I'm sure. Is yeah, that, that's what I thought they were about. I was kind of covering myself there. Uh, yeah, it's basically the one that have the branding. So people, if you go if you go to Canada and you buy a hockey top, that's the one you'd buy. Um, yeah, I would think so. And also, Mighty Mighty Ducks because of the films. Are they in that? Mighty, Mighty Ducks. They're ice hockey. They're an actual ice hockey team. Oh yeah, sorry. I thought you meant the the Toronto Maple Leafs from the Mighty Ducks. No, I was like, sorry, just, sorry, I was like, no, did sorry, I smash sorry, those sorry, kids? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> they'd sorry, have well sorry. hammered them kids. That'd have been like cool runnings. <laughs> <laughs> there wouldn't have been a happy ending. They wouldn't have won. They just got. They just spent the whole film getting somewhere and then fucked it up at the last minute. <laughs> if anyone doesn't remember Nicky Butt, um, YouTube his goal against Newcastle where he does a diving header. James, you know what a diving header is. Is that where you lie on the floor and have a picnic? <laughs> Basically, it's like a header, but you're diving forward to the ball. And I don't he get hits, 
it hits his face and it goes in. It was great. It just it like the, faces his, it in. Off yeah. his face. That's. I, I don't think that's a proper football move because I did that oh. a few times at school and it, I was told it wasn't allowed. No, sorry, you got off your face at school. <laughs> well, I also had a, a football kicked in my face at school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, billion jokes, brilliant! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll laugh about that later, and by laugh I mean cry. <laughs> and yeah, Manchester United—they were all—they were all this in Hong Kong at the time. But now, in five, six, seven years' time, all the younger kids will be supporting Liverpool and Manchester City because they're the teams that are winning. Boom. That's how life works. Everyone's full of fucking glory hunters. Dead. True. I mean, it is true, but if you're going to support a team that aren't doing very well, you'd support your local team. Yeah, I do. I support my local Scottish team. They're fucking shit, by the way. Yeah, because you, like, you generally support two teams, don't you? It's like, I'm the same with the ice hockey. I follow Blackburn Hawks, but because they play in a lower league than the Manchester Storm, I also follow Manchester Storm, because yeah. if you want to see some... It's it's a different game. It's a completely different game of ice hockey when you yeah, watch yeah. at the high levels. The, high, the low levels is very exciting, but there's never any missed passes in the higher echelon yeah. of the elite yeah, league. Yeah. But also, it's not as exciting. Yeah, you get that in all the, sports. Yeah, the skill level's much higher, but it's not quite as exciting. Anyway, we've gone on a bit it's of all, Sorry, here. it's almost as if you're listening to like a professional podcast and then come listen to us. Yeah, exactly. Like They're all when passionate you go, and then you come... Have the banter with the lads. Yeah, you, you almost can't hear them pouring the beers. <laughs> <laughs> I usually edit that out, but come on. Uh, you have to leave that one in. I do now, because this joke won't make any sense otherwise. Right. So, Carry on. Let's Sorry, let's go. On April 16th, 1996, Smith went to the police and calmly told him his girlfriend had accidentally drowned in the bath. They had argued, and he claimed he presumed she was playing dead, as she had done so in the past. Now, when the authorities arrived at the property in Gordon... They found Kellyanne's blood smeared on the floor and walls in every room in the house. Yeah. Despite there being clear evidence that Kelly had been tortured, Smith stuck to his story that her death was accidental and that her injuries were self-inflicted. The detective heading up the murder inquiry stated that this was the most horrific case he'd worked on in his entire career. Yeah, I'm just going to... Uh, a couple of comments on that, right? Yeah. The I know what the... Um injuries were and I don't know how he can even suggest that they are self-inflicted. No. And also, did the detective retire like the, the Robert Knapper detective? I don't think he did actually, no. Mm. Uh, I, th- mm. I guess they're just made of tougher stuff up north. <laughs> <laughs> we touch on um, how graphic it is and professional help that people got later on but it, it yeah. is horrific. Sorry, oh. carry on. No, it's okay. Now, because I'm pretentious, I like to write my scripts like they're a documentary. So, yep. going in the way, way back machine, going back in time, James Patterson Smith was born in 1948 and was described as a house-proud divorcee, 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 living in Gordon, Manchester. I would Manchester. say divorcee. Divorcee, I would say divorcee. Mm. Uh, living in Gordon, Manchester. He never smoked nor drank alcohol. And he looked like a rapey George McFly from Back to the Future. <laughs> Honestly, I need to put this picture up on the on the social media. It looks like Crispin Glover if he was brought up. You, you put a picture on this script, so I'm oh. looking at it now. I was like, that's a perfect fucking description. I had I had to put the picture. It's basically, think of of George McFly from Back to the Future if he was Biff. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what it is. Now, he had no previous criminal record or evidence of violence against women. However, this did not mean that that was the case. The reason he was no longer married was that he had become violent, and after 10 years of abuse, his wife divorced him to escape him. 
and other women he dated reported similar things during his trial. It's a shame that he didn't come forward before reporting, but it's totally understandable that why they didn't do that. They were scared, they just wanted the relationship and the whole experience to be over, and they wanted to forget about it. So, no bad feelings towards them at all. Remember, they are victims too. Yeah, 100% totally understandable. These people are victims. It must be a horrific situation to go, to, go through. But, you know what else is understandable? In go Switzerland, on. it is illegal to own just one guinea pig. <laughs> Guinea pigs. Jesus guinea pigs Jesus. need loving too. That that's I, I can't argue with it. Yeah. Oh, dear me. You can carry on. That was just a light um, interjection, to a, a palate cleanser, as you will. Thank you. Yeah. There'll be there'll be many um, more. <laughs> right. In uh, 1980, he met 20 year old Tina Watson. Now, I hasten to say they then started a relationship or began dating, as essentially he just started abusing her. He was 32. Not the biggest age difference, she was 20, he was 32, but something that becomes a bit of a worrying trend with his later partners. Yeah, definitely. Now, over their two-year relationship, Tina was subjected to an escalation of violence. What started off as occasional taps and slaps developed into being beaten with an ashtray, smacked in the face, and being kicked in her legs and body. Uh, One of the things, actually, she was kicked between the legs. I didn't really want to write that in, but I feel like it should be said, because that's horrific. Yeah, it's bad. All of this is bad, I mean... You can't pick it. It's horrific. Yeah. I mean, maintaining a typically controlling hold over her during the relationship, she fell pregnant. However, this did not deter Smith from his usual behaviour, as Tina recalls being treated as a punching bag while she was carrying his child. Now, the apex of all this violence occurred when Tina was in the bath. Uh, When he appeared, overpowered her. And he grabbed her by the throat, forced her under the water, attempting to drown her. They separated shortly after. James Smith made his way to another similarly violent relationship within months of splitting with Tina. Now, 15-year-old Wendy Mottershead was the next person he set his sights on. Their relationship was no different to his previous ones. I mean, is it really a relationship if it's a 15-year-old? Well, that's it. I mean, how old was he? Like, if he was 30... How old was he? 32 when he met her? 34 at the time, I think. Yeah, so two years relationship, 34, at least 34, yeah. That's um, Yeah, I feel it's only right to point out now that not only is James Patterson Smith a sadistic, violent piece of shit, he's also a fucking paedophile. Yes, the only that, reason that a man, a, yeah. yeah, the only reason that man would be in a relationship with a 15-year-old when you're 34 is because you're sexually attracted to children. 100%, yeah. I think the fact, this fact has been glossed over in the research we've done. Um, James will cover how despicable he became quite, you know, during this episode. But when two... So of your four reported long-term relationships are with underage girls, that kind of makes you a fucking paedophile. Exactly. I just think, like, I was typing everything up and I had my timeline together and I was putting my timeline together as I do my research and I thought, hang on a minute, not one place has mentioned that he's a a paedophile, basically. And it's, I mean, I know that it's not the worst of his crimes, but it's definitely significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, just to chuck a random fact in there, a flock of crows is known as a murder. Yes, I did know that. Oh, did you? Well, there you go. There did you go. not see the picture of two crows stood next to each other and a third flying away, and it said attempted murder at the bottom? Well, yeah, I probably did see it, and if I did see it, I wouldn't have understood it. In 1982, Smith then began another abusive relationship with Wendy, who was still a child and had been groomed into this relationship. Beaten, controlled, abused mentally and physically, she said during his trial that she got to a point where she was so frightened of him and his actions 
that she felt like she had no option but to take it for fear of anything worse happening. Towards the end of the relationship, Smith held her head underwater in the kitchen sink in another attempt to drown his partner. I mean, this is just a 38-year-old man trying to murder a 50-year-old girl in, a, in his kitchen. And it's just clear that this is going to escalate. And the, the saddest part is, is that the, the girl's so scared she can't even do anything. She knows her life's in danger, but she can't even do anything. It, it's just going to escalate. Yeah, you see, when you realise that at this point, and from what you said later on, that he's totally ostracised her from her family, and yeah. she's got no one to reach out to because she's not allowed to speak to anyone. She's not exactly. allowed to say hello, let alone say help. Yeah. And it's it's horrific, it's awful. And it's sad to think that this is probably going on now, now and we just don't know about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there may be, I'm not saying it's right, but there may be a lot of cases that are like this that maybe don't escalate at all. They oh, don't get to I, the state of what we're going to cover later on. I know there's ones that don't get to the state, but I think if you're trying to drown anyone, you, you shouldn't yeah. be in, out in the public. Y- yeah, you should be reported to the police immediately. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you said, it was clear that it, it looked like it was going to escalate, and sadly it did. In 1993, Smith began grooming Kellyanne Bates when she was only 14 years old. At this point... Smith was 46. I mean, that's just 100% supports the fact that this man was a child molester. That's a 30, yeah. 30, I use a calculator for this, 32 <laughs> years difference. And to put that into some sort of perspective, if I was with a woman with the same age gap, I'd be with a three-year-old girl or a 67-year-old woman. <laughs> both, both, to me, I, I don't like the idea of either, to be honest. Well, one of them's expected, but like, I like the way you're saying it, like it's a revelation. Well, I thought like 67's older than my, my parents. Yeah, I, yeah, true. Or was that the expected one? <laughs> no. Damn it. Yeah, sorry. Kelly was born in 1978 in Hattersley, a small town 10 miles outside of Manchester city centre. She grew up into a confident and independent teenager, kind and thoughtful, who had a good close relationship with her family. She was sporty and wanted to be a teacher. Uh, also heard some reports said she was a bit of a tomboy and she had brothers and when they were scrap like they'd scrap with her and she'd scrap back and she was just normal. Mm-hmm. Just a she normal was, girl. She was just a normal girl and she had brothers and she was from a close family and it was just normal. Then when she grew older she started college and she had I had a part time job at a graphics company. Which I think is pretty good, to be honest, when yeah, you're at college. Because yeah. when I was at college, I was an idiot. I yeah, was when we were at university, we were idiots. When we yeah. were recording a podcast, we were idiots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm hoping this might end sometime in the future, but no sign so far. No, 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 no. no. However, before Kelly had got this job and started college, at age 14, she'd met Smith whilst babysitting for a mutual friend. He obviously took a shine to her. I don't know how they met. Perhaps he even knew that there'd be a young girl around at the house, but he walked her home afterwards to keep her safe. Oh, it's, oh, it's creepy. It is creepy, isn't it? It's horrible. Uh, I mean, this grooming was so secretive that her parents had no idea about the relationship, in air quotes, for two years when he was introduced to her mother. She recalls that her daughter's abuse was unpleasant and smug, and he was walking around her her own house like he owned the place. Mm -hmm. And... Before that, Kelly's mother had actually spoken to Smith on the phone, but she had no idea that he was 30 years older than her daughter. And she felt that she had to get her daughter away from him. I mean, despite clearly being middle-aged, he was introduced as Dave, not James, and he gave his age as being 32. But even 32 is still... still... Yes. Not good. Exactly. But not being funny, 
there's a big age difference between 32 and 46. That's like, that's a big, that's, you look very different. Oh, yeah, 100%. I won't. I've still got my boyish charm, but you, exactly. Jesus Christ. That's just good genes. I mean, I'm I'm starting to lose already. God help you. Exactly. Now, sadly, as the relationship progressed, Kelly's personality be- began to change. She would sneak out at night. She would argue with her parents. I mean, mainly over the relationship that she was in, which is understandable. Uh, the parents argued with her despite their best intentions to make her see sense. They still fell out. And while she was still a schoolgirl, she was coming home with bruises and bite marks but she explained them away as accidents or she was bullied by a group of girls from school. Mm-hmm. And see, at one point, Kelly and James Smith did split up and they were separated. He shouldn't say separated because she's a child. You know, she was free. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he stalked her until they actually eventually got back together. And later on, when she left school, she finished school and left and Bates moved in with Smith's home in front of the road, Gorton. I've got an interesting fact about Gorton. Really? Did you know that ex-Manchester United football player Nicky Butt was born in Gorton? I've heard it mentioned. To be fair, I, I did a look at the Wikipedia about Gorton and who was there, and there was quite a lot of actual football players come from Gorton. Off the I top of my head, heard. I can't remember any other ones, but there was. There was like five or six, which for a small place is quite a lot. If I remember rightly, my car broke down in Gorton once, mm-hmm. and uh, it went on fire. And the smoke came into the car through the window, and I jumped out. And the person I was with couldn't get his seatbelt undone, and he thought he was going to die. Oh God! Uh, but yeah, it was it turned out it was just the wiring. The way yeah. the wiring uh, went went up in flames, and I was like, "It's on fire! Get out!" And there was smoke coming in through the window vents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, yeah, it could have been it could have been a lot worse. So. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. But uh, go, I remember that there was like, a relatively big football ground, I think, in the area. Uh-huh. So that could be why they have a lot of. You know, I'm not sure where Gorton is. I just Google it. But yeah, I mean, I actually did Google Street View on Fernover Road, and it's. I was, I was tempted to go and drive there, but I thought it's kind of bad taste. <laughs> you know, can't really do a selfie on the road, can we? It's a bit. See, let's be honest. People have done selfies in worse places than that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's very true. Actually, did you ever see? Um, there's lots of pictures, and I, I'm guilty of it, taking pictures of yourself in Auschwitz, and some. I don't know if if he called himself an artist or something like that. He basically photoshopped um, actual prisoners of war behind the people no. in Auschwitz. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's oh, actually that's, whole as crazy. That's really like, bad. Yeah, but that's he did it. To, he did it to prove a point. If if that makes sense, to like, oh, people are having fun, but this is actually what happened there. I kind of get it, but you could have done that by not doing it in the first place because you're still uh, doing exactly what they're doing. Um, I tried not to take any pictures when I was there. It just didn't feel right. I'll show you. I'm gonna. Yeah. So there's one here. There's a guy taking a, a a woman taking a selfie. It looks like in front of the a giant pit. So this guy's photoshopped dead bodies into the pit. And there's someone standing making a a pose. And I'll click on it and get bigger. Also, this, he's not taking the pictures. He's editing their pictures. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I no, thought I he took his own pictures and put no, them on his No, 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 no. Well, no, that's he's... fair enough, actually. That's pretty cool. I, he's good that he's done that to remind them. So he's, there's, there's a woman standing on, a, like a, obviously, a monument, and she's just making a pose, her arms out. She's standing on one leg with her leg out. And he's basically taking away the monument, put a line of people in the background, and she's standing on dead bodies. So uh, when I looked at that, I was like, that's actually... 
Oh, yeah. fucking, this is, you need to Google, just Photoshop Auschwitz. Oh, man, it's actually, this is her. I need to turn this, I need to stop. I will. I mean, I remember seeing pictures of people that put the camera on the floor and then balanced on the railway lines and then done like ballet pauses yeah. on the railway lines and the cameras took a picture of them. And you think, do you know what, do you know what actually happened on these railway lines? Do you know what? This is the actual same iron. You could argue that, oh, the grass has grown, the ground's been filled in. That is the same rail track. Yeah, the, the trains rolled over, and it's. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it just it's one of those things that I just came to mind, and it puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Definitely. Anyway, podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, probably should since we're here. Yeah. Now, Kellyanne Bates' parents tracked down Smith's address and invited them in, and they sat there talking, and Kelly sat there, head down, nervous, seemingly scared, and for some reason. James Smith ended up showing them a big open hole in his front room that had been made in the floorboards going down to under the house, like the foundations, by gas engineers repairing a gas leak. And everyone was a bit confused why he was showing, like, the family were confused and Kelly was confused, like, why are you pointing out this hole? It was almost like he was explaining it away. And the hole, sadly, will feature later on in this story. Oh, I see what you did there. You've you've put this in our minds so we'll remember about this hole, won't you? I have, yeah. Uh, I see what you did there. Uh, good, good, good writing, good scripting. Thank you. The other day, actually, I did think, you know what? Maybe she would take the swearing and the jokes out of these scripts and just publish them as blogs. Sorry, say that again. The other day, I thought uh, maybe we should take the swearing and the jokes out of the scripts and publish them as blogs. I don't know what you mean. Sorry, a blog like a, a website entry. Uh huh. Like a just start publishing articles. What as like what we've written. Yeah, like just ah. slightly tweak them and just publish them. Like, and now I started thinking maybe we could publish a book. But and we can I, we can do that on the Fair City Podcast website. Though we they, they make space for us to do stuff like that. He's he's if I want him to, he can make a space for me to review restaurants in Perth. Or you could do that on your uh, to do with your food podcast. Yeah, they, well, food Instagram. That's it. I knew it was something. I've had four beers. What do you expect? I've had two. I'm fucked. I'm gonna get another one. I'm gonna for a pee if that's okay. Can I have one? Well, a beer or a pee? Uh, both. I'm going for a pee. Okay. Love you. I love you too, Chen. This is a little treat for when you're editing the podcast. This isn't a normal treat. This is a Marks and Spencer's treat. It costs a lot more and it's uh, got RC ingredients in it. Like fucking clementine and pomegranate. Hey, buddy. Hello. Oh, I'm back. Kelly turned up with the bruises when visiting her parents, and then she eventually stopped visiting completely. Phone calls stopped, and eventually birthday cards and Mother's Day cards arrived in strange handwriting. It clearly wasn't hers. Her parents contacted the police, but seeing as in the eyes of the law, she was no longer under her parents' care, and technically an adult, even though she was 17, it's a grey area, they were powerless to intervene in the relationship. Smith also had no previous convictions or history of domestic abuse, and sadly nobody had reported him. Now, Kelly became increasingly withdrawn and left and even resigned from her part-time job. My my thought on this, um, people will be like, oh, well, the police should have done more. The police could have done more. The police maybe morally thought, yeah, we, we can do more. This is not right. But legally, they can't. And so it's not really their fault, is it? Exactly. No, I, I, you can't blame the police. Yeah, because yeah. basically, all they know is so, uh, the parents of uh, To take this at face value... Someone's parents has gone to the police and gone, I'm not keen on my daughter's boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a sad, a very sad situation. Yeah. 
Neighbours became concerned as they had heard the goings-on, the arguments, the violence in the house, and voiced their concerns to Smith, who promptly went into the house and paraded her in front of an upstairs window to prove she was alive and well. <laughs> like, I read that and I was like, this is, I don't know how how that proves she's okay. And it almost adds support to the fact that she isn't okay. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's such like a strange fucking thing to have happened. It's like, I can prove I'm not controlling my girlfriend. I'm going to make her come out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Oh, it's, it's awful. I it's don't crazy. like that at all. It's crazy. But the other hand, this is going a bit off topic, but if you if you, you see, I know a couple who, in a lot of people's opinions, he's very controlling and she's very withdrawn, she's very different, but how much can you really intervene? Oh, yes. It's, there is that point where it's very difficult to do that because what you can also do, this oh, we can draw it back to the cult relationship. It turns into us versus them. Mm, yes, like yes. The cults because imagine... Uh, Person, the boy and a girl in a relationship. Yep. Let's just let's just mix it up because it's twenty twenty. The girl's abusing the boy; she's beating him, which has happened. There's a good documentary about it, actually. That's very up. It's quite. It's really sad. It talks about the the bloke was like she burned him with a kettle, she burned him with an iron, uh, she starved him, she stabbed him over and over again, mm-hmm. and he didn't report to the police because you like. I don't know if I would. Yeah. Like I don't if because to go to a place where my girlfriend's beating me up to be like yeah bollocks whatever yeah, yeah, yeah so it's a difficult one yeah if you have per- like so you have a person whose partner being beaten up by their partner and this bloke who's getting beaten up by his girlfriend he's then stabbed and he's getting stabbed and burnt and things like that he then goes to his family and he's like his family are all like, look, something's going on, you need to leave, this isn't right. And he's like, no, no, everything's fine, it's fine. And the more they push, the more he's going to hunker down and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 honestly, it's fine. And he's going to start defending her. And then he's going to drive, they're going to basically, he's going to take her side because he's almost trying to convince himself. And then it's going to be, he's going to be, it's going to be us versus them, but he's counting her as the us. So the, the abusee, the abused, essentially takes the side of the abuser because they don't want to believe the truth. Like um, Stockholm Syndrome. Yes, that's that's, very, that's a very good point, yeah. It's very similar to Stockholm Syndrome, uh, at least at least in a situation and outcome. Maybe not cause, but situation and outcome is very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's sad and it's... It's just difficult when, if you can intervene. I'm not, I know the, I know... The situation. I've spoke to other people about the situation who are closer to the situation, but yeah, when do you intervene? When do you think this is an actual problem? This could escalate. It's difficult. It's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Do you, do you remember a band? I think they were called Pearl Medin- Jam. No, Medina Lake. No, they weren't. They weren't a very good band. I'm not saying that. They were just a random early two thousands rock band. Mm-hmm. I think it was Medina Lake. I remember that the, it was the bass player had bleach blonde hair. And they were just basically middle of the road. They were fine. They weren't too. They weren't very emo. They weren't very popular. They weren't really sexy. They weren't really heavy. They were just a middle of the road ordinary band. Yep. They were on tour, and I think it, someone will correct me if it's not if it wasn't Medina Lake. It probably wasn't Medina Lake. It was probably some other band. But it was around that time. In fact, I'm going to find this story and put it online afterwards so we can prove this correct. Basically, a couple were fighting in the street and the bloke had hold of the woman and she was crying and screaming. 
this guy at this band was like, I'm not having that, not on my watch. And actually, I've done this myself. I was out with my cousin once, and we broke a fight up of a guy who had older woman, and we broke the fight up, and then <laughs> later on that night, we saw them both uh, trying to have sex in a bus stop. So can, I, can, not... I have, can I just ask a question on yeah. that? Was it the cousin that you saw at the Stuart Lee gig the other night? <laughs> yes, yes, it was my, my Liverpoolian cousin I've never met before. <laughs> but, so so anyway, this band, uh, the bass player had seen this couple arguing and the woman was screaming and the guy had hold of it and he went over and was like, you need to get off her, put her down and all this. And the guy turned around and went, what the fuck are you going to do about it? And the girl was like, yeah, keep, keep your nose out, it's none of your business. And he was like, what? And they both started on him. And they both kind of went like, stay out of it. This is our problem, not yours. And the bloke put him in hospital. Mm-hmm. And the band had to have like a big hiatus because this boy was like in hospital with like swelling on the brain. What were they, they called? Uh, I think it might have been Medina Lake. Medina Lake? Yeah. Uh, just put rock bassist hospital domestic violence or something. It was Medina Lake or Mallory Knox. Don't think it was Mallory Knox. He's fucking got bleached blonde hair anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this a headline is Medina Lake bases Matthew Leon's attacker not found guilty. Yes. Yeah. There you go. See? Yeah. Hospitalized, severely beaten after intervening. Oh my word. Is currently hospitalized with a third of his skull removed to alleviate swelling on his brain after he was Fuck. badly beaten and left unconscious on the streets of Chicago. Oh, I didn't know it was in America. I thought it was over here. I thought some like guy from Norfolk had gone, you all mate, <laughs> and like clobbered him. Yeah, so halfway halfway to uh, meet a friend for a drink, he saw a man severely beating his wife. And Matthew intervened, managed to subdue the guy for a second, and since his wife was beat up pretty good, called the cops, as, did he, as he did. Yeah, so the guy jumped him from behind and beat him. He and his beaten wife left Matthew unconscious, unconscious in the street. Holy shit. Yeah, I remember. Please it was like, send all your love and good energy and vibrations to him. Well, that'll help, won't it? Because they're one of those bands that were kind of taking, not taking off, but I was mm. aware of them. Like Kerrang loved them. Mm-hmm. Like Kerrang, so it's, it's, it wasn't in my death metal circle, so I wasn't paying a great deal of attention. But I remember hearing about it and going, "Shit, that's really bad." Like, and it was this band that were taking off, all of a sudden just stopped. Yeah, because it took him a while to get better again. Like Snot, Snot were doing pretty good until. Yeah, uh, was, was it a singer? Lynn Strait. Lynn Strait died. Yeah, he, he died. Yeah. Some really good songs. Really. Yeah. Anyway, we've been recording for an hour, so I think we better crack on. Okay. Listen to Snot. A funny memory of Snot. When I first met you, you might not remember it as being Snot. You were like, "Yeah, I'm really into heavy music." Blah blah blah. I was like, "Yeah, me too, me too, me too." So we went for a drive in my car. I can't remember. I was taking you home, or I was blah blah. blah. I was. Shortly after I met you, I was like, yeah, this is the kind of heavy stuff I listen to. And I put snot on. You're like, that's shit. (laughs) You you call that heavy? I I was kind of about to say, when you were saying like you really liked them, I was like, I remember them being pretty shy, actually. Like like a kind of dirty Nirvana. They've got got some good songs. But at at that time, that was my impression of heavy. Then I met you and they were like, holy fucking shit, there's some disgusting music out there. Exactly. And you loved it. Some of it is brilliant. Yeah. Crack on. Clearly. This situation was only going to end one way. And I'm going to bet that was happily ever after. Well, we'll see. Yeah. And as the start of this episode explained, Kellyanne Bates was sadly murdered on 16th of April 1996. Boo. As James Patterson Smith handed himself in to the police, he was reported to have said during an argument in the bath that she had swallowed water. 
He'd also alleged that Kelly often pretended to be unconscious, and he had checked on her two or three times before realising that she was dead. Now, I was thinking about this, right? This is unscripted. He was saying that she often pretended to be unconscious. Now, he's almost incriminating himself because if he's drawing from real-life events, mm-hmm. she's obviously pretending to be unconscious to stop him torturing her. That was um, my thoughts on the situation. So if she yeah. was pretending, it was to get him to fuck out the room. Yeah. So then you think, well, what else has he done that, to her? To, to torture her, to inflict pain on her. He only stops when he knows she's not feeling the pain. Oh, fuck. He's done a lot of shit to her. Oh, yeah. fuck. Uh, this is... Uh, oh, fuck, this is horrific. During, during the time when he was... See, this is the point. This is where he's just sat in the police foyer. Yeah. It's just a random Joe's gone in and gone, all right, I've killed my girlfriend. And he'd be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he's... Whilst he was kind of being held, and he probably had, like, a, a plastic cup with hot chocolate in it and, like, a newspaper... He told the police officer, I've killed her. I know I have. And then before long, he said to another one, I know I'm going away. I know there is no point. I'm going to get found out anyway. So he's basically incriminating himself. Exactly, yeah. I mean, the piece of shit was just full of self-pity. He truly is a human stain. That's horrific. Whilst he was being held in... I don't even know if he was in custody at this point. He was literally just in the police station. Yeah. The police went to the house to investigate, and as previously mentioned, they found every wall and floor of the house covered with Kellyanne Bates' blood. Kelly's body was found naked and mutilated in an upstairs bedroom. Her body was almost unrecognisable, and she had been subjected to some of the most horrific torture I've ever encountered. I like how, I like how you've said, ever encountered. As if you've just walked into many places where people have just been tortured. Well, I know exactly what you mean. I just say. I don't. So. I don't think "encounter" was the right word, but no. I wrote this. I basically put this script off for like four weeks and then yeah. smashed it out in an evening. So um, I was. I, we know exactly. It is. It's horrific. It's like really horrible, gory film kind of stuff, like hostile almost, isn't it? That kind of almost like trivializes it. I think. Because you've got to remember, this didn't happen in Hollywood. This didn't, this didn't happen in yeah. Colombia in the 1930s. This happened in Manchester 20 years ago. Exactly. But, you know, when you say encountered, have you ever encountered a pesky squirrel? No. Because because approximately 10 to 20% of American power outages are caused by squirrels. Really? Apparently. That's all I've got. I don't know the details of it. I was just trying to lighten the mood because it's fucking horrendous. Yeah, well, well, that kind of worked. Thank you. You're welcome, Uh, sir. Moving on. We have to warn you now that this next sex is extremely graphic. If you've not got the strongest stomach, I advise you to skip a few minutes ahead. We might even put some a short section of silence in so you can join us again afterwards if it gets too much. This is... Everyone's got their own limits about what they can stand and what they can't stand, and some people can listen to hours about someone carving up a body but the second they talk about stabbing a child they can't deal with it and that's fine we're not casting we're not saying oh if you're not one of the hardcore you can't get this we're not like some podcasts which just like revel in the gore aspect of it we're just going to say we're going to literally report it all as it happened as per the reports in the newspapers we're not going to sensationalize it or anything like that we're just going to read it out it might not be for you. If you're already getting a bit uncomfortable about this, then we suggest you skip it. Yeah, I'll just just turn it off. Just I don't care about lessons. Just turn it off. To be honest, I think what we'll do is we'll go back in and record another bit of the timestamp that you have to skip to 
to avoid it, then okay. you can skip it. Then so you'll skip to forty-eight minutes, three seconds, or whatever it'll be. Jen at this at this in. rate, it'll be like two and a half hours. Yeah, Chen's going to drop that in now. If you do not want to hear the grotesque nature of these crimes, please skip to one hour and ten minutes. To be honest, you can probably just stop now because we ramble on about music and films for a good half hour after the podcast actually ends. Bye-bye. Right, if we've still got you, uh, we'll actually start again now. Dr. William Lawler, the pathologist who conducted the autopsy and considered by all an expert in his field, reported that Kelly has suffered the worst injuries that he'd encountered in any murder victim over his entire career. And at that point, he'd carried out over 600 autopsies of murder victims. And I think that is important to point out now, that this guy did it for a living. He's trained to do it. This is his job. He He's used to seeing these things. And if he's saying that this is the worst he's ever seen, it must have been absolutely disgusting and it's like, it's like a chef saying, that meal's quite hard to make. And all he does is make meals. For like for sixty exactly, hours a week, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. This, this person's job. He wasn't a he wasn't like a coroner for the council. He was a pathologist. He specialised yeah. in homicide. He he dealt with murder victims day in day out. And yes, some of them are going to be people who've run someone over with a car. Someone's going to be a stabbing victim as a result of a drunken argument. But some of them are going to be more extreme. And this is the worst one he dealt with. Now, it was believed that mm-hmm. for a period of time, Kellyanne Bates had been kept in the hall in the ground in the front room. I dread to think how they actually established that, you know, probably bloodstains. It's really thinking about, really. I don't know if she'd been restrained down there or there was, I mean, they're saying there was blood all over every, like, wall and floor of the house, perhaps there was blood in there. It's, it's horrible. I don't know, maybe there's like a chain or something. I don't know, it's fucking horrendous. Dr. Lawler reported over 150 separate injuries on her body, and he was astounded by the extent of her injuries, but he was also astounded at the age of the injuries, meaning that she was alive during all of them, and she received them over a period of several weeks. Just a little interjection here. Now, you said 150 separate injuries, that's a number I, I won't be forgetting too soon. Did you know there were 150 places called Newton really? in the UK? Is yeah, it like Newton so. upon something? And and I, I didn't go into too much detail, that's all I've got, but you could be right on that because there's a lot of Newton on places. It's like from Sir Isaac Newton. Yeah, is it? Is it Ching, that's where it's actually from. He invented gravity because before he invented it, we were just floating around everywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had all these all like the, the, his name just his name just gravitated. Oh, I like it! All these knights and knights of the round table floating around on the horses, horses freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you also know that um, the average is it gestation yep. period of a goat is one hundred and fifty days? One hundred and fifty days, really? What's that in? That is five and three and thirties, like five months, isn't it? Yes. And also, the total number of power stars in Super Mario 64 for the Nintendo DS is 150. That, I wonder if there's more. Oh, power stars. Right. So that's like, that's like a special one, isn't it? I don't, I don't play it either. Well, so I, I think it could, mean, it could mean two things. I think if you complete a level really well, you get three, powers, you get three stars or one. Or, you, do you know what I mean? 
or it could be secrets that you can find that give you extra powers. I'm not sure. Right, okay. Mean. But there's 150 of them right, anyway. How many power stores does it take to carry on with this podcast? Zero. Okay. Let's go. Now, when Kelly wasn't being kept in the hall, she'd been tied to a radiator by her hair, and she'd also been tied to furniture and other objects with a ligature around her neck. She'd also been starved, losing over three stone in weight. Now, that's over 40 pounds for our American listeners. And she'd not received water for several days before her death. Again, this proves that her the, the following injuries were not a moment of rage, a lapse of sanity or anything like that. It was a, it was yeah. a sustained campaign of violence and sadistic torture against a helpless schoolgirl. That's um, I think that's really key as to why we would even cover this because when we talked about it, we we're like that might just be kind of domestic domestic abuse, which. But it's no. not at all. It's actually someone's calculated decisions to do this to someone, and it's absolutely fucking. That was horrific. the thing we we realized. We started looking into this as a domestic abuse case, and we started to to uh, we started approaching this subject as being people who've been injured by loved ones, or it were injured yeah. or murdered or anything like that. And then we realized that this wasn't a case of domestic violence. This was torture. This was just sadism. You know, th- yeah. this wasn't. From day one, this wasn't a relationship. This was abuse. Yeah, cold and calculated. We're going to we're going to list the injuries now again. If you want to skip to skip after this, this is when it starts, and we advise you start pressing the buttons now. Now, when Kelly's body was found and her injuries were catalogued, uh, it revealed the following: Kelly had a broken arm and shattered kneecaps. Both her hands had been crushed. She had also been scalded with boiling water on her buttocks and legs and had severe burns to her thigh that had been inflicted with an iron, like a, a clothes iron for ironing your clothes. No, I don't really know what that is because I don't, I don't ever iron my clothes like yeah, well, that's ever. Sure. Also, yeah, I'm, just, I'm a disgusting yeah. human being. Also, is extreme ironing still a uh, thing? Was it, I don't think it was ever a thing. I think it was probably four people having a laugh on the internet. And then the BBC was like... No, 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 This this was a big thing. If you don't know what extreme ironing is, it's people who just take videos of themselves ironing in extreme places. I remember like people doing it on the subway and people doing it on surfboards and stuff like that. Let's have a quick Google images. Let's see where people are doing it. Skydiving. Rock climbing. Underwater with scuba gear on. Oh, fucking hell, that's Trolltunga in Norway. Yeah. There's a guy wearing a tuxedo in what looks like the Antarctic. Basically, snow, water everywhere. Yeah, so it's still a thing. Still a thing. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. Weird. People are weird. Light interlude. Carry on. Back to the injuries uh, that she sustained. Possibly due to how she was restrained, but more likely due to the sadistic nature of her captor. She was also partially scalped as well. Kelly had been stabbed multiple times all over her body with knives, forks, and scissors, including stab wounds inside of her mouth. There was clear mutilation of her ears, nose, eyebrows, lips, mouth, and genitals. Many of these areas featured wounds caused by garden pruning shears and also injuries caused by a spade. Just to interject there, how fucking... He's obviously had to stop and go and get the spade and then bring it in to carry on yeah. doing what he was doing. 
No one keeps a spade in the house. No. It's... Uh, oh, fucking hell. Worst of all, it was found that Kelly's eyes had been gouged out. Now, one report in a French newspaper suggested that this was done with fingers, but nowhere else says that, and I've, I've looked into quite a few reports of this, so I say that yeah. would be conjecture. Not really, no evidence to support it. Kelly's eyes were gouged out before she died, and the pathologist believes yeah. that this could have been up to three weeks before her death. And not only did she suffer the rest of this torture, but she suffered it blind. And... <sighs> That, that's horrendous. I've got nothing much to say apart from that's one of the most disgusting disgusting things I've ever heard. But alongside it is, it is one of the most saddest things yeah, I've ever heard. It's, it, this is the bit that stuck with me. And I mean, it gets worse. Uh, to make things even worse than the ODR, the pathologist also found stab wounds inside of her empty eye sockets. Also, there were two points to make. Well, one's an interesting fact, but did you know that eye removal is called enucleation? No, I didn't. And in extreme cases of psychosis, paranoid delusion, and extreme drug use, it's called self-enucleation or auto-enucleation when people remove their own Do eyes. Do you remember the case of that woman who did it when she was on meth in America? No, but I was looking it up. She's found God. Um, we link that because it's horrific. She talks about squashing them in her hands. And I think I think yeah. it came up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it came up. But, um... But just just going back to what you said there about stab wounds inside her empty eye sockets. I mean, like, what could he have possibly been trying to stab? Well, that's the thing. It, again, just points to the fact that he was trying to cause as much pain and suffering as possible. Interestingly, though, I'm not saying it's this, but it could be worth looking into if you had the facility to do so. Chikatilo, the Russian, the butcher of Vostov, basically, the Russian serial killer, he yep. used to cut the eyes out of his victims because round about the time that he was operating, was it the 40s, 50s, 60s? Was it round about that time? Yep. He believed that the, yep, yep, yep. it was kind of a bit of an urban legend at the time that the image that someone saw before they died was burned into the back of the retina. Oh, yeah, so they believed that, yeah. that basically if I, if, if I died looking at you, they could somehow look at my retina and get an image of you off it. So he was cutting the eyes out so he couldn't be recognised. There was no yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Although that's no, not true at all. Not. There was a lot of but reasons yeah, yeah. why he did everything else, but the reason why he did that was to cover his tracks. You're just wondering if perhaps mm. there was an element of that involved in it. But then you remember the other thing. No, this it's just, just sadism, nah. isn't it? It's just this just guy's yeah, a fucking arsehole. Um, with Chikatilo, am I right in thinking that he he did get his because they had blood samples of the murderer, so they knew his blood type. Or I can't remember, but there's something you can link your your semen to your blood type, and there's a one in a million chance that it's not the same. Yeah. If that makes sense, and he had that one in a million. I chance. remember hearing that as well. Yeah, I can't remember the I can't remember the details of what it is, but you can link it. So if you have that in your blood type, you have it in your semen. But there's a one in a million chance it's not the same. And he either they had semen from the the the, the woman, and his blood type didn't match that, or or the other way around. And it was a very lucky. Well, for it was him. also the case of. He was a uh, during the police sting operation to try and catch him. He actually got caught, and the police were like, "Get out of here! We're trying to catch a murderer." And he was like, "Sorry," and then like, he, "Yeah, <laughs> sorry." He kind of like Let went out the way on. because they had police waiting at like uh, crossroads, at road junctions, at train stations, and like some policeman was yeah, like yeah. just 
basically let him go because they thought he was just an idiot. But there's that that's stories for another day. I mean, a, a podcast for yeah, a different. We're going to start from the beginning and go through it all about Kelly's injuries. It was a broken arm, shattered kneecaps, two crushed hands, severe scalds to her buttocks and legs, burns to her thigh. <laughs> she was partially scalped. She had stab wounds all over her body from knives, forks, and scissors. She had stab wounds inside of her mouth. There was clear mutilation of her eyes, nose, eyebrows, lips, mouth and genitals. This had been done by knives, forks, scissors and also a garden pruning shears and a spade. Her eyes had been gouged out and there were stab wounds inside of her empty eye sockets. Now, the pathologist confirmed that these horrific injuries would be enough to cause anguish and torment to the point of mental breakdown and collapse, basically, like mental collapse. For the final four weeks of Kelly's life, James Patterson-Smith has subjected her to horrific torture intended to systematically harm the teenager using an array of tools and weapons and things like that. Shortly before her death, she was beaten around the head with a, sh- with a shower head, leading to her drowning in a bath of water. During the 1997 trial, James Smith argued that he'd been driven to do this and Kelly had been winding him up, taunting him about his dead mother and injuring herself to make him look worse. Like, even if that's his defense, if if me and you were arguing about something, and you were like, "Yeah, well, fucking stab me," I'd be like, "No, that's a bit extreme." I think, I think <laughs> what, what, what I mean? he's arguing is the fact that she would. I, th- I think his his argument is the fact that they'd have an argument, and then she'd punch herself in the face or trap her arm in a door or trap her hand in a, in a, in like a cupboard and then go, look what you've done to me. And then people see her about town and she'd be like, and people go, what have you done there? And she'd be like, oh, nothing. I fell. And then people see her. I think he was saying that she was trying to give herself injuries and then make it look okay. like, that looked like he'd done them. But even the the simple fact that he's saying he had been driven to it, the one thing I've learned in my 35 years on earth is that you're in control of your own actions no one drives you 100%. to do anything you can do what you what you want exactly and we, so no fuck you've got to realize him. that it is the big uh, indication of his mentality when he's trying to yep. justify it by saying well she's done these injuries to herself to make me feel bad what she's poured boiling hot water all over her legs she's she's gouged yeah, her she, own fucking eyes out this isn't um no, event she's horizon herself is in that? the mouth it's you know yeah. it's, it's it's horrific yeah. i mean the prosecution actually challenged him about this and he said, well, okay, if she if she's done that to herself, what about the fact that she, you know, why has she been blinded, burned and beaten? Why did you do that to her? And he replied saying that she dared him to do it. Yeah, exactly. If you dare to... You just, just, just don't do it, though. Even if she says, gouge, gouge my eyes out, you just say, actually, that's a bit far. You know, tying you to a radiator is you, enough. You, you, you imagine, Fucking you imagine, awesome. like when there's a couple having an argument and she's pushing his buttons, or he's pushing her buttons, and then one says to the other, "Go on, hit me, hit me, go on, hit me." You know, you couldn't do it. That yeah. I could imagine if he'd hit them, then you could kind of see, or I can kind of guess why that person snapped at that point, and it's wrong. But not this campaign yeah, yeah, yeah. of abuse. I mean, the psychologist looked looked at him and examined him. And they described Smith as being someone who had a severe paranoid disorder with morbid jealousy and that he lived in a distorted reality. But well, fucking, it would I don't appear actually... So. I don't like that. I think that that diagnosis, it's just... 
it's just bullshit because you're basically excusing him, saying that he lives, saying he lives in a distorted reality. Or what does he think that this is acceptable? Does he think it's right? Does he think that people? Does he think he's playing Mario on the in the you Nintendo know, exactly. DS? You know, does he think that he gets power coins for it? But exactly. but does he think that this doesn't cause pain? He still has empathy and compassion, and, yeah. or maybe he doesn't. But he still has an awareness of this person is screaming. Maybe I should stop doing this. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. rightfully so. The prosecution argued that Smith had deliberately disfigured it in ways to cause the utmost distress, pain, degradation, and suffering over a period of weeks. Yeah, and to be honest, from everything we've discussed over the last hour or so, everything he did to that poor girl would exactly. support the prosecution. I mean, fortunately, the jury took only an hour to determine him guilty of all the charges, and he was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum time for 20 years, although it's likely it'll never be released. This is one of those cases that you read the infamous comments section and people go, 20 years, oh, that's terrible. And it's, no, life imprisonment. He's to be considered for parole within 20 years. So this was a couple of years ago. He's not out yet. He, you know. Yeah, well, well exactly. Um, there was a... Oh, who was it? He was like a 15-year-old boy who killed like a, a, a child out the west right. of Scotland. And he's in, he's in jail for life parole for however long and I was reading comments on, on Facebook and stuff and people were like oh he should never get out and like he, he never fucking will he never will he's murdered a child just I think, I think you need to have faith in the justice system that whilst that whilst she can't say you are to be locked up forever every single person in this system has this gentleman's agreement that that boy's not getting out Based yeah. on what he's done, it's. I think it's the Norwegian. Yeah, it's the Norwegian uh, legal system that basically because this came up in the Anders. Is it Anders Breivik or Anders Breven? Who Anders Breivik, isn't it? Right. That did the terror attack on the island of uh, kids. Breivik. Breivik. Yeah. Breivik. Uh, yeah. Anders Breivik was basically he was sentenced to something like fifteen years or twelve years, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, that's terrible!" But the Norwegian judicial system states that you can. That's the maximum term you can be sentenced for. And then yeah. after that yeah, many yeah. amount of times, they have another mini trial, look at the evidence again, look at how you are, and they go, fuck this guy, and put you back in jail for another 12 years again. It's It doesn't yeah, mean exactly, that's all exactly. they're going to serve, it means that that's all they can sentence them to, which is the difference. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. Back to this case, the evidence presented to the jury, it included graphic descriptions and even photographs of Kelly's injuries. It affected the jury so much that many were later diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, the people went went in for jury duty and came out with PTSD. They were all offered professional psychiatric help, and all of the jury members accepted this. On a side note, us here at a Bloody Mess Cod podcast will be offering unprofessional psychiatric help to any listeners after this exactly. episode. Uh, we will be uh, in the next episode. You will hear a bell ring, and if you really, really want to eat cheese, it worked. <laughs> Um, but just going back to what you said there, uh, it's no wonder that these people were offered, you know, psychiatric help. It must well, be horrendous. It's things like this. I, I imagine that I've got quite a strong stomach. I'm into this area of, I don't know what you call it. I'm into true crime. I'm into this kind of thing. I've got a strong stomach. I'm drawn to the more extreme cases. Now, this has stayed with me. I'll be driving to work and I'll just remember... The phrase "stab wounds inside the empty eye sockets." I'll be like, "Fucking yeah. hell!" And then, 
I'll kind of just think of her being blinded and not knowing where he is in a room. And it's horrific. It's awful. And it upsets me. And it'll, I'll be in the shower and I'll remember it. I'll be making my tea. I'll remember it. Imagine not only encountering that in person with photos and the girl's family and evidence, but also imagine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that if you're not into any of this and the most yeah, extreme exactly. thing you can deal with is Lethal Weapon 2. You know, like, you don't like anything. Like, not that we like this, but, you know, you don't have any interest. You don't get anything from it. And it's like, imagine how badly these people will be affected. It's it's terrible. But even that, even the, the police officers that worked on this, you and I both know a girl whose father was a senior yes. crime officer. Do you know who I'm talking about at the moment? And he did a horrific case. I think it was Lockerbie yep. bombings, and he, he wasn't right no, after exactly. that. My dad was uh, a senior crime officer, and he's he's done some things where he's he's come home and he he didn't used to drink a lot, and he would come home. He's like going for a pint, going for a pint, going for a pint, just because it's some horrendous fucking stuff these people see. It's it sad. sad. And I don't think there's enough. Uh, I don't want to say aftercare because that makes me sound like a product, but there's not enough uh, looking after the the mental well being of these employees yeah. that are helping the the country function. Yeah, my, my, I think my dad ended up having like um, panic attacks over it and stuff like that. And he's not—he's no longer a senior crime officer. But some of the stories he's got, even this time before a senior crime officer in the Hong Kong police, brilliant. He should write a book. That's brilliant. actually a really good point. Your old man should write a book. We should—we should pressure yeah. him to do that. Some of the stuff, like where his position in Hong Kong in the police, he's not allowed to say what he did. But now. I don't think he gives a fuck anymore, so he's told me some stuff. And I can't say on point. Yeah. I'll tell you later, but I'll fucking know. It's, it's brilliant. I was like, I was thinking, he, we're out for dinner. He was telling me all this stuff about what he used to do for a living and stuff like that. All I knew he was in the police. I was like, Dad, if you told me this when I was younger, maybe I would have been inspired to actually do something more with my life. <laughs> Work with him. Well, he's telling me. Anyway, you, sorry, yeah. carry on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean,. Going back to the human aspect of this trial, that Kelly was survived by her parents because she was only a teenager. Her, her father, Tommy, had some particularly insightful words to say. Now, I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase the next bit to make it work more as a sentence rather than a quote. But essentially, uh, with Jane Smith, with each girl, he'd escalated further in his abuse. He was a ticking time bomb. And with Kelly, he'd reached his own apex and he finally committed murder. And that's when you realise that yeah, yeah, it was. It was always going to get to the stage. He was always building towards it. And if it wasn't Kelly, it'd have been someone else. And like yeah. I said oh, before, yeah, yeah. it is a case that has troubled me. It stayed with me, and it does keep coming back to me. I think, with the exception of uh, an upcoming case that I think you're covering next, and also the toy box murders, it's probably one of the worst cases of torture yes. and abuse I've ever heard. And it it almost makes it worse the fact that it's happened essentially in my neighbourhood. Yeah, it's like what, half an hour, yeah, half an hour, hour away cops. from you. It's in, it's in Nicky Butt's home, exactly. for God's sake. It's hometown. So, yeah, it's really, it is really sickening and really disgusting and sad. And if anyone wants any further info on this subject, apparently there is a documentary available to find. It's on Brick- Britain's Darkest Taboos, Series 4, Episode 2, and it's called Our Daughter Was Tortured to Death by Her Sadistic Boyfriend. Speaking of murdered women, have you heard the Black Dahlia Murders new song? No. I see. Funnily enough, I actually, I actually had a good. big conversation with uh, 
my fellow bandmates this afternoon about band album artwork for because uh, their new artwork is amazing and we were having a big conversation about it. Well, I didn't connect it. the fact that the new artwork would mean that they had a new album, so I didn't even search for it. But I'd lost interest in yeah. them because I felt that they'd kind of lost that snappiness a bit. Like, not that they were a bit ca- no, they were never catchy, but I felt that they got a bit self-indulgent and they just kind of sounded like a band that sounded like them. They didn't really sound like them. Okay. I don't know what you mean by that. But their last album wasn't very ever- good. The one before that was Which very was good. before that? And was that the, this, was that the green one the or the orange-yellow one? The, the green, green one was good. Yes. Um, the orange-yellow one must be the latest no, no. one. It's the, not very the, good. The, there was the red and black one that wasn't really good either. Should we get some names up? Yeah. There was Unhallowed. That was amazing. That was the first one. That was fantastic. To tie it yes. back to the Q&A, that was the album where I harassed the drummer about the uh, the drumming technique, Shannon Lucas. So, discography. So, Unhallowed yeah, was the first the album. Miasma. Brilliant. Miasma. It, I wasn't it has a some fan, good songs on it, but, but it's forgettable. It, it's been known to be a very good good one. I've not heard Nocturnal or Deflorit. Ritual. Ritual's a very good one. Deflorit was not bad. It was for, a lot of it was forgettable. Ritual. What was the what color was it? Let me see. That's the one I was thinking. It's green. Oh yeah, that's the one I like. What's the one with like the pyramid on the front where it's like yellow and it's got the sky on it? One second. So this one called Ever Black. I don't know if I've listened to that much. Abysmal. I didn't even know that one. That's not. That's just good. Something else on the front. Nightbringers maybe. Nightbringers is kind of red. What am I thinking of then? This is, you know, again, this really shows why we're great at our art of podcasting, of us talking about albums. Yeah. Um, We'll stop talking about it. If you you like technical death metal, Black Dahlia Murder are good. Psychroptic as well. I prefer Psychroptic's artwork. Psychroptic's artwork is fucking brilliant. Psychroptic are fantastic. I I can't stop listening to that last album. That's one of the few albums that I can listen to as a one of recent years because I haven't... Oh, man. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking because I was going to bring up the Black Dahlia murder in this episode. Then I was going to ask you what your favorite metal band was from the last year, year and a half. And I was going to say that album is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. If you ask what my. my uh, oh, I suppose the metal album that's given me the most enjoyment over the past year, year and a half. Uh, I'm going to say the same one that it was for the previous year, to be honest. It was a. Uh, the most recent Skeleton Witch album is absolutely phenomenal. Okay. It's... Yeah? There's other good albums that are alright. There's other good albums that have got some good songs on it. But the Skeleton Witch album, I think it was from like 2017. I pre-ordered it off the strength of one song. And it became my favourite album ever. It just kept getting better. The more I listened to it, the better it got. It's an album that you can listen to from start to finish. The intro to the very first yeah. song... Sounds is familiar to the outro of the very last song. They've thought about it as an album. It's in two halves. It's yep. it's a fantastic, fantastic album, and it's it's called Devouring Radiant Light. And it was oh, it's twenty eighteen, so not as far ago as I thought it was. Well, but good. that is, it's worth a listen. It's not melodic death, but it's your know album. What album I was quite disappointed was Cattle Decapitation's new album. Because the songs they released before the album came out was One Step Closer to the End and... Um, Bring Back the Plague. 
Bring yeah. Back the Plague. And they are both amazing songs. Amazing songs. Yeah. Coincidentally, they brought out Bring Back the Plague round about the time the coronavirus is hit. <laughs> um, Do you think it's part of the their marketing the album, campaign? It's, it's all right. No, I don't. I think it's just a coincidence. The... I anyway, have a, I have a, let's let's wrap this, James. Well, let's wrap this up. We've been going for an I hour think and thirty I'm minutes talking about music that no one likes. I thought that album was all right, but when you look <laughs> at it and you see that it's got like twelve tracks, and you think brilliant, that's yeah. quite long for a metal album. And you realise that four of them are voiceover tracks that don't have any any guitars in. Yeah, and then you realise that the probably standout tracks were released as singles, and then you think, well, that okay, that only leaves me with. Like another six songs to listen to. One of them is a slow outro song, so that's five songs. It was alright, it was good, but I realised that I was never the biggest fan. Again, I'm a big fan of pre-ordering vinyl. Because not only do you yeah, pay yeah. for it this month and get a surprise in three months, four months time, but it's mm-hmm. just, I like vinyl. And I pre-ordered it on vinyl, and to answer your question of did I like the album or not, well, I put it all for sale this week because I realised I was never going to listen to it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those two songs are fucking brilliant. I like the direction they're going and I like them brilliant. back in the day. I like them now, but I just think that, you know, I feel that the podcast really needs to talk about music that no one likes. <laughs> you know, so like... <laughs> we should start a music, start music podcast. podcast. So then, like, like, Frenzy and Ben don't have to listen to this one anymore. <laughs> I don't think Ben listens. I think um, Frenzy Frenzy listens a lot. Uh, friend, uh, I don't think Ben does. Never mind. I'm not even bothered if the friends don't listen. I'd rather people listen that really liked it, and I'd rather that people who didn't like it didn't feel like they had to listen. Well, it, it did make me think. I was on holiday with Ben, and he I was talking about the Ant Hill Kids episodes because yeah. it ran around that time. And then Ben made a joke, as Ben does. He goes, oh, how does it feel that this guy can get hundreds of people to follow him, but you can't get your friends to listen to your podcast? And it made me think. It was a funny joke, but made me think I'm not doing it for no, my friends. No, I'm not. The, the difference is no. between, like, from... I'm doing it for a year. This isn't a podcast for our friends. This is a podcast for strangers. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, the God. difference is, like, between me and you is, like, I've played in bands. And when you're playing guitar in a band and you're writing your own songs and you're putting your heart and soul into music and then you play it to people and they go, eh, it's all right. <laughs> you know, you soon start yeah. to realise that, okay, people aren't going to like this and you start to do it for yourself. So mm. it's something that I learned when I was 17, 18, that people aren't going to like what, yeah, not everyone's yeah, going to yeah. like what you do. And I think that that was, that, that led me to start the podcast in a, from a better frame of mind than I think I would have done otherwise, because I don't think any of my mates listen. Because I mean, obviously, our mutual friends do because they are still my friends. But I mean, any of my friends that just know me, some might listen, yeah, more yeah. listens. You know, a lot of them do, but a lot of them don't because I didn't. Tokyo that, sex whale like, listens. I didn't think to. I fucking know his I name. I tell you, hi Mike. Uh, basically, I I didn't think to tell my pals that. To listen, because I thought, well, they'd probably find it organically. Uh, it comes up in conversation, yeah. and like, I, I like, I like, I like it that my friends listen, but I don't want them to feel like they have to because it's me. I'm thinking, oh, fucking hell, I've got to listen to this again. Well, that's it. People started listening when we first started, and then they were like, "Oh, sorry, I've not listened in a few weeks." So I was like, "It fucking doesn't matter." They're like, "I need to catch up." I was like, "Yeah, Just it's like if, you, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. That's fine." It's like it's because yeah. I would rather we had 
people that we never met that liked us rather than people that we knew listening out of obligation. We're getting lots of, we're getting lots yeah. of uh, new likes to the page. We're getting lots of new oh. people joining the Facebook group. Let's, let's give this, this man a, a shout out. What's, what was his name? Gary. Gary Mulvaney. I don't know who he is. You don't know who he is. Organic follower. Thank you very much for listening. Give us a message if you want. We'll chat to you. You seem like and a nice guy. And we've had other, other organic listeners, uh, organic guests, and we're like, sorry if, we, if you've, we've not mentioned you. We'll try and mention everyone, but also we hope you're not listening just to get mentioned because <laughs> you know, then you're listening for the wrong reasons. But we're just thanks to everyone that gives us the time of day. And to be honest, thanks if you're still listening now because you've you've chances are you don't like death metal and you've put up with a good 10 minutes of death metal chat. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, let, let, I think let's the most up. important thing to say is that uh, Disentomb, their 2019 album, uh, <laughs> it was The Decaying of the Light, is fantastic. It's brutal death metal. They're Australian. And my opinion about Australian anything is if it's good enough to make its way out of Australia into Europe, it must be amazing because Australia is enormous. And well, that's what I think about Psychroptic. They're from Tasmania. Yeah, it's even more out of the way. Yeah. It's like Australian Orkney. <laughs> it is Australian Sh- Shetland. Yeah. So I think if the band's good enough, like if, if anything comes upon my radar from Australia, I will automatically give, pay, give them some attention. If it's a film, if it's stand-up yeah. comedian, if it's uh, music, because they must have been really good to make it out of Australia. Because you could quite easily have a career being successful at doing your art in Australia and never leave. Yeah, no, it's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Like silver chair. Maybe not. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> um, right, sorry. Decentum. Let's wrap this up. Decentum. And if anyone wants to wants to continue listening, we're going to start talking about films after yes, we've wrapped this up. So if you want to keep listening, just listen. But if you don't, just thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, get in touch. We don't have many listeners. We we reply. James replies to a lot. I also of ignore some. It, no, I, don't. I don't. I reply to everyone. <laughs> no, we don't. We reply to everyone. Next week or in two weeks' time, I'm gonna be researching one. It's it's very not similar to this one. It, it's, it's a torture case. Before we go back to probably serial killers. Next week, we've messaged people who are gonna give us a surprise. It's so the police. Is, We're gonna uh, get raided. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, yeah, we'll have a sound clip from an, a nice popular podcast you might have heard of on our on our thing. Maybe if they do it, if they don't, they don't. But they seem keen. Find us, message us. Thank you very much for listening, James. Have you seen the new Adam Sandler film on Netflix? Would this be Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems on Netflix, available to stream now on Netflix. And then the Netflix noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I started watching it, and uh-huh. I've wanted to see it for a while because I heard he was up for an Oscar for it. And also, I watched their. No, he wasn't. He was completely oh, ignored. No apparently, I, th- I heard that he was. Apparently, he was um, completely ignored for everything. I, I heard rumors up until basically, I heard about his film before Christmas and heard that he was like going to clean up at the Oscars, and then I haven't heard much since mm-hmm. then. So that's probably why. That's shit. But anyway. He he should well, have. I was. I've watched the first twenty minutes, and we got to a point where mm-hmm. I've seen a good time. The Safdie Brothers' previous film, and that's that's a good film. 
but it's also a bit of an acquired taste. And this one was, yeah. and I was watching it with Lindsay, and she said, everyone's talking over each other. Is this what it's normally like? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's it's. they're a bit hard to follow. It is non-stop, absolute chaos, the whole thing. Yeah, two errors. Just about two errors. And then it's it got to the point chaos. where Lindsay was like, I'm not following this. We should start it again another night when we're both more awake. Because we put it on at like mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night or something daft like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, we need to give this our full attention on another night. So I haven't seen it yet, but I am planning on doing it, and I've been looking forward to it coming out. Is it worth the watch? Is, if you if you have the time to watch it and the concentration, it's, oh, it's brilliant. I went, before I watched this, right, before I went watch this on Netflix, I went out for dinner with my girlfriend, my dad, and one of my mum's yeah. old friends, and She's she, she's a weirdo. She doesn't listen to podcasts. She's a weirdo. She said she went yeah. to the cinema to see this this uncut gems, and she said she walked out, and I didn't know what it was. She was like, "Oh, it's an Adam Sandler film." I was like, "It just must be one of his shitter yeah. comedies." Then it came on Netflix, and I was like, "I'm gonna give this a watch," and it was brilliant. It was one of my brilliant. favorite things is coming to a film completely clueless and then being blown away by it. I try and do that now to every film I ever well, watch. I'm at a point now where if I'm watching, a, if I'm start watching a film trailer and think, "Oh, that's pretty good," I will stop watching it. Yeah, because oh, I really? the film trailer is going to spoil it, leading to uh, mm-hmm. me quite often me sat in the cinema with my eyes closed because I don't want it spoiled. Mm-hmm. And a similar case, we saw the film The Rhythm Section this week. Blake Lively uh-huh. plays an assassin. It's very realistic. Uh-huh. It's not like the Bourne films. It's like the anti-James Bond kind of films. It's very realistic. It's very gritty. It's very... I don't want to say slow, but it's more... It's not an action film. It's more of an action thriller. Mm-hmm. And the two coolest bits in the whole film are played in the trailer. And the trailer okay, makes okay. it look like it's a bit more action-packed. Whereas in reality, the... The finale of the film is more of a storyline finale than a action finale. All right, I stopped listening because all I can hear is Jen laughing her fucking ass off in the bedroom. So not not the first time that's happened. I don't happened. know if she's. I don't know if she's having a heart attack or if she's actually genuinely laughing because nothing in the world is that funny. Have you watched Messiah on Netflix? Started watching it. I'm at the minute, and my good lady can attest to this, I'm being a pain in the arse with telly at the minute. I oh, keep I starting watching that. stuff and going, nah, nope, nope, nope. Recently, right, if we go through what we started, we started Messiah, I decided I didn't like it after two, maybe three episodes. I couldn't be bothered with it. We uh-huh. started Jack Ryan uh-huh. back at season one. I watched one episode and went, no, I'm not watching that. I watched half an episode. I was like, this is too talky Well, for me. it got action-y, but the action just seemed really Hollywood yeah. and staged. And like, mm, you could almost okay. like guess the... Spe- not guess the special effects, but it didn't seem... It just felt like someone saying, and then I want fire coming from there, and then I want this Jeep to explode. And then it just didn't... It just yeah. seemed like you could see the people behind the curtain moving the puppets. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. we also started... Uh, fuck, where else did we start? The Stranger. Oh, was no, that good? I didn't like it. I've been that off after an episode. She probably thinks, there's all these nah. series that she probably thinks is going to be brilliant, and I've just gone, nope. 
<laughs> like a child. Right. I <laughs> I need to pee, so we're going to end this after okay. what I've got to say now. Have you seen The Prodigy on no. Netflix? It's, it's yeah. a film, and it's... I'll, I'll not give it away. It's basically uh, about a young boy, and from a very early age, he's born, he's very smart, and it's a horror. He's very smart, and he's very alert, and he does all that, and, and you find out later why, right? I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler, because the funniest fucking thing ever in any film, yeah. it's a horror, happens okay. in this film, right? It turns out he's he's possessed by a Hungarian person, right? That's that's how he's an adult. So he's he's smart because he's a kid because he's possessed by this adult, and he's sleeping, and his mum's watching yeah. him sleep, and he's speaking Hungarian. This is where well, he's like a a ten year old yeah. kid or something, right? And he's speaking Hungarian in his sleep, and it translates to to something like, "Oh, I hope she's dead. It's it'd be brilliant if she's dead." But then the mother turns away to leave the room, and all you hear is the kid go. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's the fucking funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. But I say that, right? I live in a block of flats. And in the close, going, I live in the first floor to have to go downstairs to leave. And I leave at five o'clock in the morning and it's pitch black. And the lights in the close on my floor and the bottom floor don't work. So it's pitch yeah. black. And every morning, I think of that film and I fucking shit myself. It's not even scary. It's not even that scary. I wouldn't even recommend it, but for that bit, it's just like, go Again, fuck yourself. I'm a, it was I'm so a total horror snob, and I don't like films where the premise is just, ooh, a scary kid. Like, I just don't. It's just pointless. Yeah, well, uh, uh, there is a bit more to it, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Do you want a spoiler? Uh, no, I, th- I think we should leave I think we should leave this on a cliffhanger. Oh, good. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, so if anyone's still here, thank you. I've had a bit of fun chatting away at James. I've not spoken exactly. properly this, in a this while. This is the kind of point where we realise that part of this podcast should be a phone call. Yeah, I don't like speaking on the no, phone for some I reason. I prefer Skyping. That's strange, that isn't it? That's good. I can see your beautiful fucking beard, which is huge, by the way. It's like my belly. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to go. I really need to pee. So it's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you, Thanks everyone. For Find us on everything. Thanks for listening. Um, sorry if the content was too much. The next episode is going to be quite quite a bit graphic as well. Probably it's not been fully researched yet, but it's not a nice case. We we go to Japan for that one, don't we? Japan, that is, is Japan. But we'll probably touch on a murder in Hong Kong and exactly, that one yeah. as well. Which we meant to do tonight, yeah. but we forgot. I've been to Japan as well, so expect some anecdotes from my time there. And... Yeah, and we'll have a little interlude from some other exactly. people on that one if, if everything goes to plan. That'll yeah, be interesting. Before we go, I just want to say that, again, we're not doing any, any... We're not making light of any situation of this terrible murder that happened and we are just trying to have a break to the harrowing nature of the narrative of this podcast with the slight jokes that we've put in there. But again, it's nothing's been directed at the victim of the family. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the saddest things. It's truly done. tragic, and we're just glad that the family got justice. Yes, and as ever, I think we shall see you later, motherfuckers. See you later, motherfuckers. Bye bye. This isn't an ordinary fucker. This is a motherfucker. Enjoy your wee wee. Bye bye. Oh my god, it's late. Right, no, right.
Night, night. Bye, 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 bye. You've been listening to another great podcast from the Fair City Podcast Network, a group dedicated to connecting and developing podcasts. Check out fcpod.net for more great podcasts and content.